Hey, Stephanie Goss, you got a second to talk about Guardian Vets? Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Man, I uh, I hear from people all the time that are overwhelmed because the phones never stop ringing. Yes. Um, and I'm sure you, you hear from these people as well. You know, like our caseload is blowing up and the doctors are busy and uh, the phones just don't stop. They never stop. <laughs> <laughs> that is a true story. I'm amazed by how uh, how few veterinarians know about Guardian Vets. This is a service where you have uh, registered technicians uh, who can jump in virtually and help you on the phones. You can flip the switch and uh, Guardian Vets can jump in and take some of the load off the front desk and they can handle your clients and get them booked for your appointments and give them support. And it really is a godsend. Pre-pandemic, it was amazing to me how many people hadn't heard about it for after hours call help. But at this point, I can't believe how many people don't realize that they are offering help during the daytime as well, which I would think right now is a huge benefit to practices because everybody is shorthanded. Everybody is drowning in phone calls. And so we talk about it. We've talked about Guardian Vets a lot on the podcast. And every time we do, we always get somebody who says, what is that? Guys, if you're not familiar with Guardian Vets, if you think that you could use some help on the uh, on the phones or up the front desk, check them out. It's guardianvets.com. And uh, if you mention our podcast, me and Stephanie Goss, uh, you get a month free. So check it out, guardianvets.com. Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. In fact, this is part two. This is the second part of last week's episode where we started talking about uh, feeling overwhelmed but not wanting to give up. We tackled Headspace last week, so if you missed the episode, go back and listen to number 204 so you can hear what Andy and I had to say about how do we handle feeling overwhelmed about a certain issue in practice but not wanting to give up on it. This is a repeat writer from Squash But Stubborn, and we really appreciated their question about how do we manage it when our clients are frustrated that we can't get them in and they're letting us know and we are doing everything we can to help them out but it's still not fast enough for them. And now maybe some of them are communicating it to the staff, but also leaving online reviews. And it is hard to not let that get to you. So Andy and I spent last week talking about the headspace. And this week, we're going to dive into some of the action steps for how do we handle it when we feel overwhelmed. Let's get into this, shall we? And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke and Stephanie, take you to the streets, Scott. <laughs> taking it to the streets. That's right. It's, we're taking it to the streets because this is an all-action episode. Yeah. If Arnold Schwarzenegger made a veterinary business podcast, it would be this podcast. <laughs> it, would, it would be this podcast. Uh, I can't. <laughs> we will manage the practices uh, in an aggressive way. I You'll can't. set boundaries for yourself. Dental the crash card. All right. <laughs> this is the best thing that has happened to this podcast. Oh, God. I, that's, that, that's if Arnold was slightly German. That, uh, that's what that right. was. And much, much smaller. <laughs> much, much, uh, much shorter. Much, much less muscles. Shorter, less impressive. Yeah. <laughs> He's like Mr. Universe. I'm like I mean, Mr. It is, it is almost Porter. Halloween. Like that that could be a good that could be a Halloween costume oh, for you. I, would, I mean, what do I need to do? Take my shirt off. That's it. Done. Andy Arnold. Yeah. Like, same, same thing. Same thing. Oh my god, I thought you were him. Yeah. 
I get that a lot. <laughs> oh my gosh. If you were uh, if you were tuning in and you're like, what are these two going on about today? Uh, we are we are back. Uh, this is going to be totally different for us. We are this is part two. Uh, our last week's episode, we got to we got to the end of Headspace and said, you know what? Uh, rather than give you guys marathon episode, we are going to break this into two and we are going to tackle the action steps next week because there are some really good ones and we want to dive into that. Uh, Andy, do you want to give a recap of kind of where what we what we started off with last week in case anybody missed the episode? Yeah, uh, yeah, I do. Um, so we just so let's go ahead and talk about the we got we got a letter from the mailbag. Yep, and we have a veterinary practice owner who is trying not to burn out. Yes, she is overwhelmed with cases. She has lost. I'm saying she. I don't. I don't know if this is a she. Uh, yes. just just a guess. Uh, she's lost half of her technician staff in the last year and two and a half doctors this year. Uh, yes. Only uh, it's two and a half because one of the people retired and has come back. Um, they, she can't get her regular clients in, um, and she's really bothered because uh, she can't get clients in who, who yeah. need to get seen. And they're saying, "Hey, I don't want to go to the emergency clinic," and and she's really sort of hanging on. Um, get, seeing negative reviews is starting to bother her, even though she's really trying not to be bothered by this. Yeah, uh, negative feedback from the clients who are frustrated that they can't get in. Uh, it's taking a toll, and she does not want to give up. She wants to do the thing that she came to do and serve the purpose and take care of the pets. And at the same time, this is taking a toll on her. And she's like, I, I don't, I don't know what else to do to keep the wheels on. Yeah. And, uh, and so Stephanie and I talked last week and we talked a lot about, uh, I talked about walking in the rain and I talked about the death spiral, which are sort of different ways that we can kind of get into this, into this predicament. I talked about how common this is in vet medicine right now. You know how uh, nobody can hire. It's very, very difficult to hire. There's a labor shortage. Yeah. And so a lot of us um, have, um, a lot of us are, are having trouble. We have unfilled uh, job positions, things like that. A lot of us are working this way. We talked a lot about sunk cost fallacy and how uh, we get used to seeing a certain caseload and then our capacity to do that caseload falls off and we are unwilling to make adjustments with our new yeah. capacity, things like that. Um, we talked about We talked about responsibility that we have as far as pet owners deciding whether or not to take their uh, pets to the emergency clinic. And the, spoiler alert, uh, it's not our responsibility. We we have to be honest with them. We have to be honest about what we can do. And yeah. it's their pet and we can't make them do anything. We talked about uh, we talked about how it feels to have pet owners go to other practices and how maybe it should feel a lot less like a big deal. Uh, it was a really great episode. And if you missed it for some bizarre reason, because so who wouldn't listen to us every week? If you missed it, you should go back and listen to the last episode because it was great. And we're going to pick up where we left off, which was we talked about Headspace. We talked about all of the things that Anne just recapped. And we're about to dive into what do we actually do about this? Because this, yeah. this is not a single person problem. This is an industry-wide challenge to the point that you just brought up, Andy. Like there is a labor shortage shortage. Everybody is struggling with this. Everybody is struggling with feeling like they're a bit overwhelmed for a variety of different reasons. And there is this um, rebel fighting spirit of like, I am not going to go down without a fight. So how do yep. I how do I actually fix this? Yeah. So so the first step in this for me is to step away. This is a strategy. This first thing is strategy. Okay. We need to disconnect ourselves 
from working in the business and step back and work on the business. Because this is not, as it's put forward, this is not a problem that's going to change. Like we're talking about a couple of technicians, we're a couple of technicians down, we're a couple of doctors down and it's hard to hire. There is no scenario where six people are going to walk in and yep. take jobs next week yes. and be ready to go. It yes. is not going to happen. This is your new reality. Yes. And so acceptance is the first part. And then strategy. All right, guys, let's be honest with ourselves about who we are, what our capacity is, what our purpose is, and what we're able to do, and separate ourselves from the pet owners in the exam room looking us in the eye, um, asking for our help. Yeah. That's working in the business. We're working on the business. And so it's about stepping back and saying, all right, what can we do? And so my advice to you is to step back and say, how many doctors do we have? And how well are we able to support them with technicians? If we were opening up a brand new clinic, Again, setting aside our history, if we were opening up a brand new clinic, how many exam rooms would we use and how many appointments would we see in our new clinic to service these doctors and keep them busy, but not burn them out? And that is a painful exercise. And I'm not saying you have to do exactly this, but I challenge you to unemotionally sit back and figure this out. And then... When we have these numbers and we say, this is how I would do it, and this is how we would staff, I would say, great, are our prices in line to, to do those things and to keep the doors open and to retain the staff and to make payroll and things like that? Because yes. that is another thing where our pricing model was often built on us having a much bigger team and a much higher capacity, and that changes. And I go, yep. That is an unfortunate thing. I have, a, I hear from a lot of practice owners out there who are chewing their teeth and saying, we can't raise prices. And I say to them, I'm sorry. Um, you guys, if you've listened to my other podcast, Cone of Shame, you know that uh, accessibility of care is a big deal for me. And I want people to be able to get in and I do not want pets to be a luxury item. And I promise you that I, I fight with this and I wrestle with this. At the same time, support staff salaries are going up inflation is a real thing um prices are getting more expensive I, I mean i don't know about you guys um we're taking we'll let's take gas out of this man my grocery bill yes it has gone steadily <laughs> up it's, and I, I buy the same thing yeah i'm a creature of habit i buy the same thing uh, I, I swear i pay twice as much for it as i did a couple of years yeah. ago um it is valiant for us to want to fight these prices at the some at some point it does no good for you to undervalue yourself and your staff and your staff leaves and goes to work somewhere else because they're they're able to pay a better rate like this is part of acceptance is let's be honest about the amount of work that we can do and then let's set prices to support our team in what we're doing and the good news is when people complain and they might when they complain for us to say hey we have there's inflationary pressure uh we you know we are taking care of our staff. These are changes, unfortunately, that we need to make to stay in business. Um, uh, to me, that is a very, very defensible position. I'm not saying that people will go, okay, that sounds great. Um, but I think at some level, it should not be unexpected for people. And guys, it really doesn't matter because it is what's required for you to do your job. And here's one of the things. This is, I see a lot of my peers um, and colleagues struggle with maths. And let's be real, maths are really hard. Maybe second only to time zones being hard in the universe. But it it is really a simple math equation, okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm walk with me here for a second, everybody, because you, if you take a step back and you look at your people and you say, okay, if we have one doctor now and we had four mm -hmm. and we have two technicians and we had four, what 
what can we do now? I think that's a wonderful exercise. And you do, I, I love that you went to, you have to consider your pricing, Andy, because that is the next piece, right? You have to think about, okay, if, I, if, if I'm now changing this patient load, what is my output going to be? And is that going to be enough to cover our butts and keep the lights on, okay? And then most of us look at it and, and say, okay, well, the only choice I have here is to drive up prices, right? Like that's the first lever that a lot of us reach for is like, well, if I have less people, I'm just going to drive up the prices. And that's, I think, where the panic you're talking about, Andy, comes from, from our practice owners who are like, but I can't just, like, I can't raise the price from $20 to $40 for a thing because that's double and owners will flip out and they'll never come back. Okay. The thing that I think a lot of us have to keep in mind is that Mass is an equation. There is an equal sign in the middle and there is room on both sides to help balance this out. And so I, it, too many of us look at it and say, well, this is my only option. But I will tell you, if you increase a little bit on one side and you increase a little bit on the other side, you can still get to the equal in the middle, you guys. And this is where so many of us look at it and panic and think this is the only the only button that I can push. I can only push more cases through the door or I can only push more money. And really what this is about, the exercise for for each one of us, because it is individual and every one of our clinics is gonna be different. And if you do the work that you're talking about, Andy, if you step back and really work on the business instead of in it, you have to look at what is right for you and your team. And maybe the answer is you were your pricing model wasn't set up great and you should increase prices, maybe even by more than double. That may yeah. be the answer in your clinic. And also there are plenty of clinics where the answer may be that could you figure out a sustainable way to do a little bit more volume, not a ton, not twice the caseload with half the people, but could we do a little bit more volume and keep our prices where they're at? Maybe, right? But the answer is that there is room on both sides of this equation to balance things out. And I think that's that's a a step that a lot of us, myself included, have missed um, because we we stand there in panic and think the only option we have is to jack up our prices. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Okay. I want to get into that in a second. Okay. Let me start here with, uh, I want to I talk for a second about, about capacity. Okay. And so I talked about this last in our last episode, but it's important enough I need to bring it back here and put it at the top. Okay. Okay. You as an individual and your practice, but you, we're just talking about using individual. You as an individual, you have a capacity. There is a certain amount of work that you can do at a day in a healthy way, right? There's, uh, there's stress and there's distress and a healthy amount of stress is good. That means we're pushing ourselves. We're working hard. At some point, there is a capacity above which you are not stressed. You are distressed, meaning this sucks. This, uh, you feel crappy at the end of the day and you don't look forward to coming back tomorrow. That's it. Like that's, that's the line. You switch from, boy, I worked hard today. I'm kind of proud of myself to that was sucky and I'm going to be right back in it tomorrow and I feel crappy about it. And if you are having those thoughts as you leave practice, you, my friend have switched, you've pushed past stress into distress. Uh, that's capacity. Now, you can push past healthy capacity into distress, and you can do that for a day, or you may be able to do that for a week. You may be able to do it for a month or even three months or six months or maybe a year. Um, the bill comes due, yeah. and you need to know that. The other thing is, it is 
I have never seen a scenario where the doctor is pushed to distress, but the team is happy. Right. Dad, <laughs> I was like, going to say. <laughs> if you're feeling that, you better believe your team is yes. feeling something very similar. And you might be motivated and dedicated and you might own this practice or you might not. You might just be like, but I don't break. I don't give up. Other people, that's your own weirdness that you came up with that, uh, yeah, you you can take that on for yourself if you want, but you're also dragging other people into that and they may not feel the same way because they are healthy. Uh, they have a healthy perspective. They have healthy Maybe boundaries. that's why. I, and but, the other thing that I think is really important here to call out, and I'm going to call this out because I have, I have, <laughs> I have been this leader. No matter how much of a poker face you think you have, no matter how well you think you hide your distress, my team doesn't know how worried I am. They, they know. Yes, they do. <laughs> they know. <laughs> and there is there is no you might to your point, Andy, like you might be able to hide it for a, a day. But if you're op, if you are a leader and you are operating in the place of distress for a, any sustained amount of yep. time, no matter how good you think your poker face is, your team knows. <laughs> well, everybody has a bad day. Yeah. But if you have a bad day after a bad day after a bad day after a bad day, that radiates out. Right. Yes. Culture comes from the top. Yes. And stressed out. That yes. is a cult as a type of culture. Yes. Like we have all seen a stressed out culture. Yes. Um, it comes from the top. And so if you're the medical director, if you're the practice manager, if you're the practice owner um, and you're just stressed every day, then that that's radiating out. And so I say this because it's important. The goal for you in practice should be to do good in the world, the most good in the world. And if you work past your capacity and your staff quits and now you're shorthanded, you're doing less good in the world over the long term than you would have been had you ratcheted down to a reasonable capacity and kept your staff intact. Yep. And if you want to do good in the world and you see all the pets and you burn out in four years and you leave the profession, you're going to see way less pets and do way less good than you would have had you done less and stayed in the profession for 20 years and not by a little bit like a couple extra pet like by orders of magnitude yep and so if you say i'm here for the pets i'm here for the community what i would say to you is are you here for the community community in the year 2022 2023 and 2024 is that what you're saying or are you saying that i'm here in the community for the next 15 or 20 years until i retire Right. And you need to make that choice. You need to make it now because you, my friend, are running this race like a sprint and you're in a marathon. And so anyway, so I, but we have to put that forward. And if you don't buy into that, if you say, nope, I don't believe in this idea of a capacity, I can just work hard forever and not break. I, I can't help you. Good luck. I, I'm sorry. I can't help you. Yeah. You've got you. Yeah. I would say you are kidding yourself. Um, and it, it's time to get realistic about about you being a human being and your own mortality. But once you do that, then we can settle into the real work of saying, how do I maximize my benefit to society, to pets, to people, to my community? And also, how do I balance my own enjoyment of this one trip that I get on this spinning globe? Because you only get to go through the ride one time. Yeah. Um, and this is your life right now. And um, you better you better enjoy it because it's all you get. Okay, so if we accept the fact that we have capacity, right, and we need to um, we need, we need to figure out what that capacity is, then yep. then where do we go? All right, great. So we've got we've got a couple of things 
that, and they're all interconnected, which is why it's a little bit of a tricky, a little bit of a tricky fish. All right. So action step number one is, um, is efficiency. We're looking at, we're look, well, first of all, you might look at your capacity and at how you're priced and you go, yeah, that's it. We're going to make some adjustments to our, our current schedule. So let's actually start with that. So I'm going to start with scheduling. Scheduling is one of the first easiest things to help people out. And I'm amazed at how many people do not feel good about their schedule uh, or how they do scheduling. If you need a little bit of extra help in scheduling, we do have a, a course uh, inside. It's in the, in the Knowledge Library in Uncharted. Uh, it's run by Dr. Sai Clement. It's actually really, really good. It's kind of the way that, that Uncharted teaches scheduling. Uh, she does a fantastic job with it and laying it out. But if you really want help with scheduling, uh, that, is a, that is an uncharted course that, that we have in the knowledge library. And we should probably run that again before long. Anyway, um, big things for me. You need to have a plan, right? Yeah. Uh, you need to have a plan. And if every day you're just getting overwhelmed, you have a bad plan. If you are not doing schedule blocks, meaning when we look at our schedule, we need to be intentional about what we're doing. And as we always say on this podcast, if you're surprised by something again and again and again, at some point, it's not a surprise, it's your business model. Right. And it's amazing to me how many practices still fill their appointment slots up with wellness appointments and then <laughs> act surprised when sick pets have the audacity to show up on top of them, you know? <laughs> Thank you for saying that. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> if your doctors are continuously running behind and they're stressed out, and I'll push you on this and say, if your doctors are, as a group, all staying late at night to write up charts, yes, I would say you're pushing them past capacity, yes. right? Um they need to have time to write up their records as they go along. And there's yes. a fall off the medical quality when people put off records to the end of the day. Um saying, oh, we're keeping up because we're not doing this essential part of practicing medicine. That's not keeping up, friends. Yes. And and it's bullshit, pardon me, it's bullshit to run the doctors as hard as you can, say you get out of here at six, and then they're here until 8.30 yes. because they're doing this thing that is essential for their job. I, you know, and like that's I think, not I think we okay. need to... I think we have to stop for a second because there there are so many practices, my my own practice included, where the model was, let's keep the clients on time, let's get the clients out on time, let's get the team out on time. And then the expectation is, is that the doctors are calling back clients and writing up medical records for anywhere from one to four hours after the rest of the team has gone home. And I agree with you, Annie, like that is total bullshit. And it is something culturally that we absolutely have in our control to change. Yeah. Now, I did say as a group, and I have to throw this caveat in. <laughs> yes. Because I 100% have worked in a practice where I yes. am out on Done. time. Yes. And there is one doctor that's <laughs> staying there until nine o'clock. Yes. And I would say that is a personal problem. Yes. And I think a lot of doctors really struggle with that. If you are insisting on writing up three pages of medical records for every appointment that you see and not being efficient in your records and not looking at what other doctors are doing and not figuring out how to get out of time, that, my friend, uh, that is a personal problem yes. that I think is often tied to a perfectionist personality and things like that. And that is something that uh, some people have to really struggle with and work with. And so that is why I said, uh, you know, we need to look at the doctors as, as a group. But if the culture is everybody stays and writes up their records at the end of the day, I, I think that's a I think that's that's a problem. And so what do we do? Um, we need to be honest about about keeping up. 
And the first thing is to put some catch-up blocks. If you have a walk-in practice or um, a, a walk-in practice that takes appointments and also walk-ins, boy, if your doctors are always 30 minutes behind by 3 p.m., you need to have a block. You need to stop taking yes. appointments at 3 p.m. Yes. And have a block and say, this is this is catch-up time. And so that's one of the first easiest things is be honest about how your doctors are running. And at some point, you can't take an appointment because they need to catch up. You know, the other pig, uh, the other thing is, uh, is again, if you have walk-ins, same day appointments. If you, uh, I'm a big believer in if people are going to walk in and your doctors are getting swamped, you need to have some appointments that are blocked off that are, cannot be filled until the day of the appointment. And, and I, and I have to, I have to say this because I see it every single day in the communities that I am a part of, including in our, including Uncharted, where somebody asked the question, still, we are how many years into this pandemic and the changes that we've had with our schedule? And somebody says, but we have three sick pet blocks on the schedule for the day. And it's every day. It's just not enough. And it's not been enough for three years. That is the problem. Like you have to step back and look at that. If you were, like you said, Andy, if you're asking the same question over and over again, if you're surprised, it's your business model. And the reality is no practice, not even a single doctor practice. Most of the time, I would argue, and this is one that I would die with. This is a hill I will die on. Can can have three sick pet appointments in a day and not fill them. Like we are in a place where we all have clients coming out our ears and what used to work for us, having two or three sick pet appointments per doctor doesn't work anymore. When's the last time you only saw three sick pets in a day? Yeah, it, it, It's been years. Like, yeah. it, you know, sometimes we go through waves where there's not a lot of sick patients, but like be honest with yourselves and your team, sit back and ask yourself the question, when's the last time we only saw three sick pets in a day. And really, I think, I think I'm so glad that you brought it up because I think we need a radical um, overhaul of how a lot of us are approaching scheduling because we are doing it to ourselves. We are letting ourselves be surprised over and over and over again. And it has become our business model. And I, I see it and it drives me crazy because it goes back to what you said about um, in the Headspace piece about we don't have to keep doing what we've always done. And this is the prime example for me when it comes to scheduling. Well, but we are leaving two or three spaces. Ask your team that question. When, ask your CSRs. When's the last time we only had three call-ins in the morning for sick pets? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. At, at some point, uh, some of this probably starts with the auditing. You yeah. know, it, it's it's take a moment. When we're going to work on the business. L- look look objectively at what's actually coming in. Yes. Are are you getting a ton of sick pets or are you, or are they not, are you getting single sick pets that are really sick? Are you getting a ton of sick pets that are mildly sick? Are you getting sick pets that really could be, they could wait another day or two, yep. but they just, they don't want to. Are you getting really sick pets that are getting turned away because mildly sick pets got those appointment slots first thing in the morning? Mm-hmm. All of those things can be adjusted. I've come a long way on charging an emergency fee as well. Um, I, and I still waffle back and forth. And I'm, what I'm going to say is it, it depends. Um, it, it really depends on what you're looking at and how you're looking at it. There are downsides to charging an emergency fee to get in, meaning that some pet owners don't like it. If you're looking at a place where you have a certain number of sick pet slots a day and those are getting grabbed by people that could conceivably wait uh, a little bit longer, they just don't want to, then, uh, then it may be time to put an emergency fee yeah. on there that says, well, if sure. you're going to come in, 
uh, as an emergency, you're going to pay more. And the idea of that, honestly, is not about making money. It's about making it a, a bit of a barrier so that people are incentivized sure. to wait an extra day or two if appropriate, obviously. And well, we're going to have to teach our techs, our, our front desk on that. And that's where you think about the human emergency room, right? Like that y- you you go to the emergency room when it's truly emergency. And there are lots of people who are like, it's not, I don't want to wait or I don't, sometimes it's, I don't feel like I could wait and I'm not sure. And I think that that, you know, that, that is medically acceptable. And there's also lots of people, and I hate to say this, but having kids, like I've been that person where I'm like, I can't, I can't wait another two weeks to get in. Like I will just Mm -hmm. pay the extra money to go. And and I know full well, I'm going to sit in the ER. (laughs) And so I time it so that I have the time to sit there with my kid. But when they've got an ear infection and I need to start meds now, not three days from now or four days from now, like that's the price I'm willing to pay. And I think we have that model in human medicine. And let's let's be honest, it does not come without problems. It is part of why the emergency rooms are overwhelmed, both in human medicine and in, in, in animal medicine. And I recognize that and I'm not advocating for it um, because I don't think that it's the only solution. But I think your point, Andy, about like there are always going to be clients who are willing to pay no matter or do whatever, no matter the barriers you put up. And so I think we have to acknowledge that and recognize that it's happening and also have a plan to help discourage the majority so that we can help more people. Yeah, that and that's where the line in this. It's not about trying to punish people who have emergencies. Right. It's really not. And so I'm not like charge more and more. It's it needs to be enough, ideally, that it incentivizes people who we think that their pets can wait. Right. Um, it incentivizes them to to just wait a couple of days um, and leave spots open for people who really need it. At some point, it's not about punishing people who have true emergencies. The other thing is, if you're at capacity and you say we cannot turn away sick pets. We just cannot do it. And we're at capacity. And these are coming in on top. I would say, I, I think an emergency fee is absolutely warranted once you hit capacity. So you might even yeah. have, you might even have same day slots that can be filled. But once those same day slots are filled, if you still want to take emergencies, you can. But that, my yes. friend, is a bona fide emergency and is getting emergency fee. And I would figure out how to take that and give it back to the doctors or back to the staff because yes. they are the ones who are getting, they're getting this extra stuff dumped on them. Yes. And while I'm trying my best to reduce that that load, um, if I can't reduce it, I'm at least going to try to do something that is nice for those people. Um, and, and so anyway, I'll give you a quick example. If you have doctors that are paid on on production or pro sale and you add an emergency fee um they're at least getting some extra compensation for taking that emergency over just another appointment that's being dropped on on their plate and that's just something to think about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we need to in doing scheduling we need to have a have a system for communicating from the back up to the front and so yes. if you're going to take walk-ins one of the big things I see is the back is completely slammed and it's pandemonium and people are crying and the people up front are blissfully unaware. They know it's busy, but they don't see the chaos going on in the back. Right. And so they're taking walk-ins and sitting them down and things like that. And the back gets super mad at the front. 
And the front's like, what? We're doing our job. Right. We have no idea. Right. I really am a big fan. If this continues to be a problem of the backs getting angry at the front because the front keeps letting people letting people come in, um, <laughs> we need a communication system. Yeah. And that can be, um, I've seen some light systems where people in the back can flip switches or, or hit a, a button and there's a little green light that's up front, which means, hey, we're good if people walk in. And there's yellow, which means tell them that there's going to be a 30 plus minute wait. And then there's red, which means we are not able to see anyone for the next three to five hours. Right. And then at least the front desk knows. So if someone walks in, you can say, we uh, we are not taking any more walk-ins. It's going to be at least a five-hour wait. We recommend you going somewhere else. We're not going to be able to see you today. Right. Right. Um, A lot of this stuff is clear communications. And it's amazing how we suck it up and we don't tell pet owners. And again, if the pet owner is willing to pay the emergency fee and they're willing to wait five hours and it's not going to put us working past close, okay. But um, it should at least be like a restaurant where you go into a restaurant and we've all walked into restaurants and the place is packed and they're like, we might have open tables at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like that, like we we might be able to seat you at nine o'clock, mm-hmm. but I can't even promise that. Right. And I go, well, I'm going somewhere else. And then, right. And then I leave. But at least I'm given that information. Right. So anyway, that sort of back to front communication, clear expectations, I think, are, are the other part that I was just saying is. We need to let clients know we are completely full up. And if you want to be here, you're going to pay an emergency fee and you're probably going to wait four to five hours. Peace. I I love that. And I I think the other piece about communication, I I, I was thinking um, while while you were saying that, like, I I think the other piece about communication is a lot of us are afraid. I, I, I have felt afraid to communicate outwardly to clients what is happening for fear that of I guess of judgment of that they're going to think that things are falling apart that we don't have our ish together right like when I have been there when you have gone from four doctors to to one and it's like do do I tell them and 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 the answer is yes like if you are not communicating to them and you are not setting expectations you are failing them and and a lot of times we make those decisions because we're afraid like oh but you know like we're working on hiring the other you know other doctors we're working on getting relief so i'm just going to hold off on telling them like i'm it's it's all done with the best of intentions and i say that because i have been there and at the same time like we are doing them a disservice when we are not communicating to them the expectation for reality and i have seen more and more clinics start to um, be open and honest about that. And I think that there's there's ways that we can do that that are more successful than mm-hmm. than others. Um, and I think a lot of us communicate from that place of panic and it can outwardly l- look a lot more chaotic or discombobulated, which is not what we want, right? So I think it, it has to be strategic and smart. But look, if, you, if your reality is you were a four doctor practice and you're now a one doctor practice, you have to communicate that to your clients. Yes. You are going to change your business model. You cannot go from seeing, you know, 50 patients in a day to seeing a one doctor caseload and not have clients hacked off when you tell them it's three months from now before I can schedule you. Like yeah. you have to take control of that situation and do some communicating. And so I love your ideas, Andy, about communicating in the thick of it in the day between front versus back and also with the clients as well. Um, and I've seen more of my peers start to have like um, 
and share outwardly. Uh, their local clinics and ERs have spreadsheets that they're using together to communicate their, uh, you know, are they taking patients? Are they close to patients? What's their wait time? I've seen more of my GP colleagues share that kind of information outwardly on their Facebook pages, websites, whatever, mm -hmm. for their clients to have access to it, right? Which helps them cut down on the volume because if clients can get that information themselves and see that there's a, a wait, it cuts down on the calls that the, the GP and the ER are both fielding, which is brilliant, but also being able to communicate that um, if if within your own practice as as well, but also like the long term piece of it. If this is yeah. not a short, like if everybody's out with COVID, that's that's one thing. Um, you know, if you're if you're closing temporarily because you you've got a stomach bug going through in the clinic, whatever. But when your reality is going to change for an extended period of time, it is your job to communicate that yeah. to your clients as well, or we are failing them. Yeah, you can be vulnerable, honest, and a professional. Yeah. at the same time, and you yeah. should. This falls right into our category of pick your poison. Do you want to not tell people what's going on or the realities of the situation uh, because they might think less of you and deliver a crappy customer service performance because their expectation is that there's nothing going on and you should right. be functioning at full capacity? Yes. Or do you want to tell them this is our reality at the moment and what you and thus what you should expect in your visit Yes. and have them be disappointed that they're not going to get in, but also not be surprised. Remember, people don't get mad about what you give to them. They get mad about the difference what they got and what they expected to get. And yes. they're expecting to get what they've got in the past. Yes. And they're going to be mad even though you do your absolute best. And I think that's a really important point. Um, I I had uh, I have a, a, an article that just came out in today's veterinary business uh, this month. And I, I looked at it yesterday. I had completely forgotten what I'd written. <laughs> but I wrote about being in, in Charlottesville, Virginia with my wife. And we were on vacation. We were just driving and hiking and stuff. And um, and I went to this bougie little breakfast place with Allison. And it was $8 for a cup of coffee, right? Oh my $8 for a cup uh -huh. of coffee. And it was very good coffee. It was still 8 bucks for a cup of coffee. And, um, and then I ordered like a breakfast thing. And they brought a biscuit, but they didn't have any jelly for it or anything. And, and I... It was it was not where I feel comfortable, right? That's not where I eat, and and especially especially made it made my wife extremely uncomfortable because I asked if we had to pay for refills of coffee, uh, or, and I asked her if the water was free because I was looking in the menu and I'm like, is water free? Can, do I have to pay for more coffee? And because I was like, this is ridiculous. Uh, so anyway, I can so just I, imagine Allie's face. Okay, keep oh, going. Yeah. I was like, it's water free, and she was like, uh, I can't. She was. I, can't I, with I see you. her jumping back 25 years and going. Why did I? Why did I agree to marry this man? Um, <laughs> this is the man that I married. So anyway, so there we are, and I'm drinking this eight dollar cup of coffee, and it's great, but then it's gone. And so I've got an empty cup of coffee, and I've got this biscuit that does not have any jelly on it, and this biscuit needs some jelly. And there's one server, and she is busting her hump. Right? Sure. She is. She's smiling on her face. She's seating people. She's running around. She's taking orders. Like honestly, she's amazing. But there's one thing she's not doing, and that's getting me more coffee. Or coming over so I can ask for jelly for my biscuit. And like right. minutes and minutes and minutes and minutes go by. Sure. And I'm sitting there. I'm sort of turned around trying to sort of get her attention. And she is working as hard as she can. And so at one point I get up and I, I go to the restroom and she's at the bar making this coffee drink for someone. And I said, boy, you're really working hard. And she was like, yeah. And I said, is it always this busy? And she said, oh, yeah. And I said, do you always work alone? And she kind of pursed her lips and she like made eye contact. And she said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I could, I'm sure that someone stood her called up out. or yeah. called out or they haven't been hired. Anyway, anyway, I tell this whole story 
because that person was busting her butt. Yeah. She did not stop moving and she the smile on her face never wavered. And I was, didn't get a refill on my eight dollar right. coffee and I never got jelly clients. from a biscuit. Yeah. And I was still frustrated. And guys, that's life sometimes is that everyone can do the absolute best they can. And it's still a frustrating experience. Yep. And so I bring that up now because that is how a lot of us live. And so tell them that you're working by yourself. Right. Tell them how we know what to expect and know it's not pleasant and know you'd rather not do it. But a lot of it, a lot of us are doing some weird weekend at Bernie's thing <laughs> where we're like, no, he's fine. You know, uh, we're we're acting like our corpse friend is alive. Uh, you know, it's ridiculous. We've, like everyone can tell. Exactly we've, just, we've just dated ourselves because there's a ton of people listening oh, to this I podcast know. who have no idea what that movie is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you want to say something weird and ridiculous and you don't know what Weekend at Bernie's is, go and YouTube the trailer for Weekend at Bernie's and say, Andy Work says that's what we're doing. Uh-huh. A lot of us are pretending like we're fully staffed and we are not. And so anyway, pick your poison. Be honest. You can be vulnerable. You can be honest and you can be professional. Yes. You can set clear expectations and set them up front. And yes. I tell you, a lot of the stress goes away. Practice talk to your staff about how to communicate that yes. and um and 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 then let pet owners know what their expectation could should be and if they don't like what you're telling them and they decide to go somewhere else that is okay be and okay. it better be okay because yep. you're burning out yep yep and yep. the last part is when we talk about training our staff train them how to tell people that we're not taking any more walk-ins today right and set yes. a time yes. you know if you close at six Tell people you don't take walk-ins after 5.30 and mean it. Right. Don't make it some, we don't take walk-ins after 5.30 unless the doctor says that it's okay. Right. And they say, well, go ask the doctor if it's okay and remind yes. them of all the times I've come here and tell them how far I drove to be here and that, uh, you know, and that I'm having terrible hardships in my life. <laughs> and then they tell the doctor, the doctor folds like origami every uh-huh. time. <laughs> every time. <laughs> every time bless their hearts and i love my doctors for doing it and at the same time like this is where it's really important when you're in this overwhelmed mode this is where as a leader a lot of the headspace pieces that we talked about in last week's episode it has to start with you and this is a piece the communication piece the training piece the, the decision-making piece about what are we doing has to involve the team. And there's a lot of practice owners that are like, but I have to decide what's best for the business. And that is true. And your people are going to leave if you don't take care of them. That is also yeah. true. And so this is where asking them for their input, it doesn't mean that you're going to go the way that they want you to, but they have to feel heard. And this is where you have to step back and say, okay, my doctor's want to take care of all the patients. And a lot of them are paid on ProSal. And so a lot of them are motivated by taking care of all of the patients so that they get paid. Those two things are true. And it doesn't mean that the team having lives outside of the practice is not as important as paying your doctors. Like those things have to exist together. And this is where you have to have the conversation. And the team has to be able to agree on some of what your standards or your your timelines or or like you said, Andy, like if your cutoff is going to be 530 or six, like there has to be conversation because no one is set up for success if your hours are eight to six mm-hmm. and you see patients literally from the minute you're open until the minute six o'clock rolls around on the clock, your hours are are 
eight to six, but your team is going to be there at least until seven. And if you're staffing them to only be there at six, you're setting yourself up for failure every time. And so many of us do it because we think we're going to say no at five and we think we're going to say no at 530 and we might have all of the best intentions in the world. But if the whole team isn't on board, if there hasn't been discussion about it, if you don't have an actual plan, like you are creating the business model that your team is there until seven. (laughs) Yep. And and if you want to let people walk in and you're going to take these cases and you know that you're not going to turn people away, that's not wrong. It's no. not. No. But own it. Yes. And staff for it and yes. budget for it. Yes. And have a fair system yes. about determining who's going to stay late. Right. So that the nice doctor and the nice tech right. don't get screwed over yes. again and again and again. Yes. And the people, and I say nice, but the people who go, nope, I'm not doing this. Right. They, they benefit every time. And so, you know, like, I, I just see that all the time of like, I see, I see, I'm like, hey, who stays late? And they're like, oh, Carol, she's single. I'm like, that sucks. <laughs> yes. That's not fair. That's yes. not remotely fair. Um, <laughs> what happens you, when Carol do, has something to do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do a, you can do a, you can do an on-call system, but, right. but for God's sake, schedule it, communicate it. You know, talk to the team about it. I, you know, I sort of the uncharted approach that we teach a lot. uh, There's nothing wrong with sitting down and talking to the team and saying, guys, this is a reality. And people come in and they want our help at the end of the day. What do we want to do? Do we want to say no and make it no? Do we want to take it on a case by case basis? Do we want to plan on this and make a system where and you you don't have to commit to anything the team says. But, man, you can go a long way in making them feel heard. You got to really listen to them. But if if every one of them is like, no, 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 then that's your policy. And you go, listen, we talked to them. They said, no, 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 no. Um, they, they told you. And, and if you say to pet owners, I'm sorry, we do not have the staff available to do this. We cannot see you. These people are, are their shift is over and they're going home. Um, and I wouldn't say exactly that, but you get my point. Right. Um, then that's what it is. Yes. And and I think it goes back to your point about when you go into a restaurant and they tell you it's going to be two hours for a table, they are setting clear expectations for you. You can yep. you can wait two hours for a table or you can leave. Those are yeah. your, those are your choices. And and I think in veterinary medicine, like so, so many of us reach for reach for the we want to we want them to understand. We, we want them to not judge yeah. us. We want them to not look at us negatively. And so we overshare. Yep. And so yep. this is why a lot of us don't communicate when we've gone from a four doctor practice to one doctor practice, because we do it and we either overshare or we're afraid we're going to tell them too much. And so we just don't say anything at all. And the reality is this requires finesse and it requires education. And your team has to know what to say and how to say it. But you can absolutely educate them to channel that front desk host at a restaurant and be able to communicate to your clients. This is what I can do for you. I can see you in two hours. I can I can see Fluffy in, in two hours or I, you know, you're welcome to call and see if any of the other practices in town can see you sooner, right? Like that there's nothing wrong with communicating those boundaries. And I think systemically in veterinary medicine, we want to help take care of everybody. And so we've been afraid of that and we have got to get over that. (laughs) Yep. The hostess of Olive Garden is not going to run after you and be like, please don't leave. Right. Uh, Please, please wait. Like, no, no, we we need to move a bit more in that. (laughs) Yeah, we need to move a bit more in that direction of putting our oxygen match on ourselves. I want to move past scheduling here. Um, I want to talk about sacred cows. 
Okay. Um, sacred cows are the core beliefs that you have that you believe cannot be touched in your practice. Okay. And so part of this is examining your sacred cows. What are the restraints that you have put on yourself and your practice? Because it just seems like this can't be changed that is holding you back. And I'll give you uh, an example of this. Okay. Well, first of all, the, fir the first example of sacred cows is referring to other practices and saying, right. we okay. can't get you in. But here's another practice that could see you. Or, uh, yeah, there's three other practices nearby who might have availability. Uh, and you go, that's heresy. And I go, aha, that's your sacred cow. I just poked your sacred cow. Uh-huh. Uh, the yes. other one is we have to be open every day. We have to be open on Saturdays. Surely we have to be open on Saturdays. It's our busiest day of the week. And I'm like, oh, it's your busiest day of the week and you're burning out and drowning. Right. Um, it is not heresy to not be open on Saturday if you can't staff for six days a week. Right. I mean, that's it. Yes. We have practices in Uncharted that are closed on Wednesdays and people are like, that's not allowed. I promise you it is. Right. <laughs> no one is going to show up and right. be like, you have to be open on Wednesday. We have practices that are open Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, half day. And that's their week. And they're like, yeah, everybody's off on Wednesday. Yeah. Everyone gets Wednesday off. Like that's that's great. Or uh, they'll 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 have one front desk person there, right. um, or they'll have one front front desk person who works from home. Right. And like, yeah, you're on the phones, but you can be in your pajamas and you can be at home, and that's what. It, right. You can do a million things. Right. What are your sacred cows? If you are buried, you don't have to be open. We have lots and lots of practices. I see, especially on this, uh, smaller practices, one vet practices, they're not open on Saturday. Yeah, I th and I think that the I, I from a leadership perspective, I think. I'm going to speak for myself here a lot. When I was a younger manager, I was afraid to poke the sacred cows, but I was sure. also afraid to change those kind of things because I didn't know how to smartly make the decision. Like I looked at it and I said, well, every, I can't staff Saturdays and everybody's burning out. And so in my head, I think, well, it seems like closing Saturdays is a good idea. And I think a lot of us struggle with like, but is this just a gut feeling? Do I sure. go with my gut here? And a lot of us struggle with knowing I, I did with how, how do I crunch those numbers? How do I yeah. how do I look at those things? How do I smartly measure? Um, and this is this is where numbers need to be your friends, because to your point, Andy, like you should be able to look at that. Is Saturday really your busiest day of the week? You should be able to audit that in your software and tell down to the minute, like what your busiest day is. And if you can't do that, you can grow in a lot of ways by learning how to do those things. And don't like, don't be afraid of what you don't know. Yeah. Don't be ashamed that you don't know how to do any of that because there are plenty of us, myself included, who have sat there and gone, I have no idea. How do I calculate that? And that's where I, lo I love our, our community, uh, the Uncharted community, I was, because I was just gonna say. <laughs> how many how many times have I gone, okay, I, I need to do this math in the clinic. Like, how do, how do I actually do this? And phone a friend and just, just ask. I there's no shame in saying, I don't know how to do this because most of us didn't go to business school. Vets went to vet school, right? Yeah. Like that, there are some who also have MBAs, but but lots of us didn't go to, to um, business school. And so being able to say, 
how do I make these decisions? Because you shouldn't make it in a vacuum. Like you should listen to your team. You should weigh in and you should be able to poke those secret cows. And also then a lot of us sit in that place of fear and paralysis in terms mm-hmm. of decision making because we don't know how to make the decision. Yeah, I feel like we're plugging Uncharted a lot. And it's, just, it's because <laughs> we're talking about big action steps that we right. don't have time to unpack everything. Uh, Stephanie Goss teaches a course in Uncharted and we it's in the knowledge library and we run it fairly regularly on key performance indicators and financial dashboards and things like that. So if you're like, I have no idea how to even figure these things out, <laughs> um, we, we got you, buddy. Uh, check out the Uncharted community. But um, anyway, you don't have to be open on Saturdays. And I'm not saying, yes. I don't I don't want people to go, Andy Works says we shouldn't be open on Saturdays. Don't say that. <laughs> I'm saying it's not a sacred idea. Here's the other right. thing. I'll really blow your mind. What if you're open one Saturday a month? What if you're open every other Saturday? And right. say, yes, there's communication challenges there. But that's not... Uh, that's not a, a, right. a out, it's not legal. The other thing is just because you're not open for Saturdays right now, it doesn't mean that you're not going to open back up for Saturdays in three months. Right. What if you said, Hey, we need to hire two doctors. And when we do hire two doctors, we're going to open back up on Saturdays and doctors yes. coming in, will know that that's the plan and that's where we're going. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be a scary thing. It can be right now. We're not able to keep Saturday Saturdays open. And that's where we are. And we hope yeah. to open back up on Saturday. So when people say, I wish you were open on Saturdays, you could say, me too, buddy. We're, we we're are working, working towards, towards it. Exactly. Yep. yep. And I, it goes on both sides, right? Like you have to communicate that to your clients and you have to communicate that to the team. And I think that yeah. that's important. Like you, we have to set expectations and that's where a lot of us struggle. I, I agree. So, so look at your sacred cows. Um, there's a lot of people who just, the idea of being closed on Wednesday or every Wednesday afternoon, um, that seems terrifying and wrong to some people. And I go, no, it's not wrong. That's We got a lot of practices that do it. It's uh, If that's what you need in order to serve your capacity, you know, if you say we're closed on Wednesday and we are working at maximum capacity every day we're here, I'd say you're doing it right. Are you priced appropriately so, you, so the numbers make sense right. and your business healthy? If the answer is yes, then go forth yeah. and carry the torch, yeah. you know, like that. that's awesome. And the last thing I'm going to talk about before we run out of time, um, and a lot of people think this is the first thing. It's not. It's the last thing. It's efficiency. And people are like, yes, tell me how to not change anything except get more work done doing things exactly the way that I'm doing them now. And I go, that's not what this means. Um, You might be able to increase efficiency. The problem, the, uh, the honest to God, tactical on the ground problem is increasing efficiency often involves training. And if you're already overwhelmed and drowning, it can be extremely hard to do the training required to change your operation system while keeping your nose and mouth above water. Yes. And so I'm not saying you can't do this. Uh, generally, like most things, a multimodal approach is going to be your saving grace. And so you might close on Wednesdays and then use Wednesdays as training days to reevaluate your workflow, yes. how you're moving people through the clinics. And guys, the biggest thing when we talk about uh, efficiency, the, the, the easiest go-to in most practices is, are you leveraging your support staff? Are your techs doing stuff that they, that, that they could be doing or is everybody waiting? The, the quick thing I'm just going to say on efficiency and making it work is just like we started at the beginning and said, you need to do some analytics. You need to, to look at your workflow. You need to look at what's actually happening and gather some data. You need to do some, uh, some data gathering on how 
pets are being seen in your practice and you need to look for bottlenecks. Mm -hmm. Where are the places where support staff are standing around waiting for a doctor? Where are the places where the doctor is standing around waiting for support staff? And we need to make adjustments. And that honestly often runs into your sacred cows. People will say, well, our, our support staff get the histories. And I'm like, is the doctor waiting in the treatment room for you to get this history? I said, we need to look at that and have an audible that can be called where the doctor's free and they're we're going to have a modified, thing. yeah, we're going to yeah. have a modified doctor's ready to go history that gets us into that room and even say to people, guys, this is a, uh, this is a, a way that we're going to run this while we're shorthanded and we're going to, you know, we're going to come back to it. it. Are there things that, uh, that the doctors are doing that the techs could do? And that's an easy one is like, Hey buddy, you got three technicians for every doctor, um, or you got one technician and an assistant for every doctor. You need to get smart and look at how things are getting done and reallocate the workload there. Cause a lot of times I can take some work off that doctor's plate and that is the, the rate limiting step. And so anyway, yeah. at last, of all, you look at efficiency, but know that you're probably gonna have to poke some sacred cows. You're probably gonna have to set some boundaries and change some scheduling stuff up. You're you're probably gonna have to figure out how to do some training, communication training, maybe technical training to make this happen. It is not simply let's shift some things around. This is a bit of a process, but if you're committed to it, it's gonna take some time. But week after week, walking in the rain, put one foot in front of the other, and walk that training through your practice, get people on board, make small steps, make small changes and keep making changes, you will be okay and you will come out the other side. Yeah, I love it. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah, yeah. I, I, boy, I'm really glad we uh, decided to split this into two. Yes. Now that we're in it, I'm Could like, oh, I, I was I was rushed at the end. They are trying to get everything out and uh, holy moly. Oh, yeah. Okay, our first two-parter in the books. Uh, have a fantastic week, everybody. Yeah, everybody. You guys take, take care. care of yourselves. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.